I think the most important thing for introductory sentences, introductory paragraphs, introductory podcasts <laughs> is like, you gotta do an overview, yes. main, main overview, before we go into specifics. Completely. Welcome to episode one of the Polis Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Ben. So obviously, this is our first episode. Ben, what are we going to be talking about here on this podcast? So we are going to talk about cities, how they interact with the rest of the world around us, why they're important, why it's timely to talk about them today, and, you know, why we're starting this podcast and what we hope to get out of it. Um, You know, sort of this is definitely an introductory episode. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it will be very interesting to explore cities and how they interact with everything else in our society and how they impact all of us. For sure. So why, for you, are we starting a podcast in particular in your thinking? Why are we talking about this like this? Why is it us? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, well, first off, I think that talking about cities is really timely right now because this is the first time in human history that we've had this many people living in urban areas. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think, I think we crossed over the 50% mark globally for people that were living in urban areas. Yeah. Uh, A few years ago, I think. A few years ago. Exactly. But the problems of cities and the problems that cities bring with them have not gone away, you know, (laughs) since cities started and they're compounded even more so now and they will continue to grow as more and more people move to cities that trend does not seem to be slowing down and around the world it seems to be speeding up so i think that having conversations now about you know what we want a city to look like what is an equitable city what is a prosperous city all of that is incredibly important and it's really good for us to talk about this because we have lived in a bunch of different cities around the world true and i feel like living in in other places can give you a different perspective that we kind of just want to share with the rest of the world, as well as the fact that we are just, you know, interested in all this, like deeply interested. And, Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and we've been friends for a long time, and, you know, and, and we thought that it might be good to just have two people who genuinely uh, respect each other but are definitely down to argue about things, talk about something that's really important. Yeah, I think it's definitely valuable to have two people that generally disagree about things but can still be civil have discussions yeah because when people just agree about everything it's kind of pointless and when people can't be civil it's also kind of pointless so there's a nice medium in between there and yeah for me i completely agree with you about why i want to focus on cities the issues that cities have to deal with and that people in cities are dealing with have become much more complicated over the last century and increasingly so and That's especially interesting when you look at the fact that as these things have gotten consistently more difficult and more complicated, people continue to kind of ignore the issues, or most people kind of ignore the issues. They're not dominant topics in the public dialogue. And I think that that's where it gets interesting for me, because whenever you have something that's really important and is basically completely ignored, there's room there to inspect it and to discuss it. There's a need for it. When I listen to people talk about news, when I listen to people talk about culture, when I listen to people talk about politics, they are so focused on things that either don't relate to their lives directly or even if they do relate to their lives directly, they have very little ability to influence. And I think that while that's not necessarily a bad thing to know about other important things that are going on in the world, I think that if you 
only have a certain amount of time to pay attention to important things in the world, you should start with things that are directly relevant to your life and shape your very existence. And I think cities and how they shape us and how they interact with everything else are central to that. I think what you're getting at is the fact that changes in cities have the most immediate impact on your life, maybe more so than something at the federal level. Is that kind of what you're... Well, not even just at the federal level. Like when you talk about like the wars in Syria, they're very important. Yeah. They're highly destructive. They're potentially destabilizing for the world, but they don't have a direct impact on very many people in Dallas, Texas, or in Houston, or in Washington, D.C. Yeah. While they may be important, they're important to know about it's more useful to you and you can have a bigger impact on things happening in your city and your community than you can on things happening around the world. Yeah. In that regard, I'll agree with you because I think that definitely a lot of people are talking about cities and continue to talk about cities because these problems are becoming more and more apparent as more and more people move to cities. Mm. They just become more exasperated. But city issues are also issues that you can have the most impact on because they are local. Yeah. You know, you can show up at a city council meeting and really make a difference because a lot of people don't show up at city council meetings and make differences unless there's some sort of big ordinance that people are really passionate about. Right. And in cities, like in city councils, it's usually kind of the same people that show up every single time. So if more and different people show up because they've been inspired, because they understand that, wait, this can be better and should be better, then potentially that, you know, that leverages more power for you to go and change your city for the better. Absolutely. And I would even take that one step beyond that. The reason why it's useful for people that are highly interested in it to talk about it and for other people to try to kind of pay attention to that is because cities, there are so many of them and they are so different that you can really look at a bunch of different cities, see what they're doing, see how it's working and take lessons away from that in a useful way. It's much harder to do that when you look at national policy on like healthcare or infrastructure or something like that because comparing denmark and china and costa rica well their climates are completely different so their infrastructure needs are going to be completely different you could say that applies somewhat to cities but there's so much more variety in cities that you can see things in terms of social policy you can see things on a much more detailed micro level it's much harder to look at countries that have wildly different populations wildly different social structures and try to analyze their national policies in the same way. Do you know what I mean? Like taking lessons away for your community, those lessons can resonate in a much more meaningful way on the local level, on the city level, than they can on the larger national level. Because mm. even thinking about like the United States, it's structured in a federal system. Well, it's really hard to compare that directly with a country like China that has an absolutely centralized government that doesn't have any yeah. direct powers for the states. Like, it's, it's hard to figure out, even if you can draw lessons from that, it's hard to apply them directly. It's much easier to look at a city like Beijing and see what did they do right, what did they do wrong, and how can I apply that to New York or Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of agree. <laughs> I think <that laughs> You don't I, seem to. Yeah. Well, only sort of. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little too sweeping with it. <laughs> a little bit, a, a little bit. I think more that... I think you should be able to, and we should continuously do this on any issue, whether it be healthcare or military spending or cities, compare what other countries are doing to what our country is doing. And then, of course, and, and then, you know, take what's good and leave what's bad 
and then apply that to what we want to get out of it because we'll also come from our own background and perspective and has to fit into the needs of our country which can be wildly different than another country so uh, i guess i'll agree with you there but you like you should you should always be trying to take lessons learned by other people and apply them to your own society yeah but yeah that being said it's harder to draw useful lessons from countries that are radically different and it's much easier to find two cities that are roughly the same size in different parts of the world in similar climates and see how are they functioning differently why are they functioning sure. differently how can we learn sure from them? it's easier sure, to find sure. comparisons that yeah are i mean meaningful and valuable i will agree with that but i think we should add sort of add something to that which is how do we evaluate a city and what would be an ideal city and i don't know if there is an answer to either of those questions but I think kind of what you're getting at in terms of comparing cities is that the way the logic flows, like ultimately you come to the question of what is an ideal city and are there building blocks that are more universal? Yeah, exactly. Like like universal building blocks that if you have these seven building blocks in your city, your city is going to do great. And then you just fill in you as the country, you as the city in the state, in the province, in whatever, in wherever you fill in sort of the details on the outside. So like, I think people would argue that um, that Tokyo and London are two pretty great cities, but they are widely different in good and bad ways for different reasons, but they have a lot of similarities that make them both function well and make them both function poorly. And, you know, I think that's a question that we should ponder is what are those building blocks? What are those general universal building blocks, if any, that cities should have? And if so, how do we implement them in cities around the world? You know, I, I think that's yeah. that's definitely a that's definitely kind of a goal, kind of a goal. This this podcast for me is exploring is exploring that. Well, and that's why I like to have conversations with you, and this is why I've been wanting to work with you on something like this for you know the better part of two years. It's it's because like having fruitful conversations with other people who are deeply interested in a topic and have very different perspective from your own is valuable sure. just for the exercise. It's valuable just for the exploration. And I think it will help each of us grow and develop our thinking on these topics as much as it will help anybody that listens. And that's, for me, the most important thing um, because, you know, <laughs> sure. that's that's what I get out of it. But you're right that it's questionable whether or not there is an ideal city. Obviously, when you look at people's ideas of utopias, they vary greatly. And what is perfect for one person is not going to be perfect for another person. And so that's a very difficult thing to navigate. But it is useful and it's important to discuss because as you discuss it, you can see the other person's perspective a little bit more and you can start to understand what other people value in places that they live. And when you start to understand what more different people value in places that they live, then you start to get a more holistic picture to think about it in a more complicated and more real way, which is valuable mm-hmm. in of itself. Because mm-hmm. when people stick too narrowly to kind of stereotypes of what they think they should have or what they've always wanted since they were children, that mm-hmm. doesn't allow the flexibility to seek better ways of living. Yeah, agreed. So I think kind of what we're getting at is that by exploring these topics and by comparing cities around the world to each other or cities within the same country to each other, we can find those best practices, explore them, investigate them, and then talk about them and figure out how we can apply them. Yeah. Sort of 
here, there, anywhere? Everywhere. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I, I want to make a point that as much as we're talking and focused on cities and this whole thing is about cities, yeah. the real value in thinking about this, like cities are a centerpiece that is very important, but yeah. they relate and influence everything else in the world. They exactly. shape countries where populations are concentrated and how diffuse versus concentrated a population is. Like if you look at France or Korea that has so much of the population focused in one city, it shapes how the country is. If you look at a country like the United States or China that has many different cities that are large and doesn't have that same kind of focus, it get, you get a completely different structure of your society. And totally. so the ramifications of things things are broader than just kind of local city policy and yeah. exploring... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. all of this interacts with politics, with culture, with our own personal experiences in terms of health, in terms of education, like all of those things interact a lot and they're yeah. valuable to explore. Yeah. And that kind of segues into something I wanted to, because I agree with all that. And glad to hear I think it. That that's right. <laughs> that's also one of the frames that I want to view this podcast through, which is that. Although we talk about cities, I think investigating cities and what works well in the effort of trying to make them work even better mm. is really important because cities don't exist in a vacuum. And yeah. I think that especially when you look at environmental issues, I kind of I, I kind of have this this notion that if we make cities better, make city life better, especially with more and more people wanting to move to cities, mm. that can cut down on huge incredible unsustainable suburbanization and by doing so we can then help protect the environment more help reduce greenhouse gas emissions you know help global climate change and, and other environmental issues you know things as simple as protecting open space yeah right if if people want to continue to live in the suburbs and we continue to subsidize and build the suburbs at least in the United States, in, in order to escape city life or to not have to deal with crazy commutes or whatever, you know, we could really make some inroads into fighting back against encroachments on the environment, human encroachments on the environment. And, and, and continuously, as human population around the world grows, that will be an issue. Increasingly important, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially for really small countries, countries yeah. with lots of unique ecosystems. You bring an interesting thing to my mind when you're talking about wanting to make cities better so that people don't necessarily have to live in the suburbs. And the interesting thing in my mind is that when people talk about urbanization around the world, suburbs are largely considered to be part of that urban expanse. So when people talk about the developing world and how most of the world is now urbanized, like we said, that's including suburban areas, right? So when we're talking about the world is increasingly urban, we're simultaneously saying that the world is increasingly suburban. Those are synonymous for the sake of calculations yeah. for rural versus urban right and it's an interesting thing because when you try to divvy down that definition what is a city to you you know what i mean like are suburbs part of the city or is it just really that urban core in your mind growing up like i it's, always thought suburbs were not part of the city yeah but i've yeah, increasingly I mean, thought you know like if you live in a place that is not separated from the city you're still part of the city you're further out but you're still a part of that thing. And sure. so I think the divide there, while it's important when you're talking about quality of life, when you're talking about the lifestyle, because the lifestyle is very different. The experience, the lived experience is very different. But yeah. you're clearly not in the countryside. You're clearly not in a non-urban place. 
you're, you're surrounded by streets you're surrounded by buildings yeah when you think about a traditional definition of what a city would be that would obviously be a city because a traditional city would not have skyscrapers it would not have trains and subways and things suburbs 500 years ago would have been what cities are because there were no cities really that had buildings that were over four stories you know what i mean yeah i guess i guess that's true i think the way we should actually evaluate it really is based on the distance between humans okay because cities didn't come into being until a bunch of humans started living close to one another true and by close i mean they built buildings that were you know very very close sometimes like a walk across the street they built individual streets individual walkways between between houses between offices and buildings and things uh, restaurants you know what have you and and that created that closeness and also the permanence of the cities so rather than being like nomads that built their tents you know next mm. to one another they like actually built a specific permanent settlement in a spot that they thought was either defensible or good for food or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was that closeness that really revolutionized how humans interacted and it allowed them to create the society that we have today. I think it has less to do with like building height and less to do with, with anything except for that. Okay. Um, that's, Close proximity. Yeah. No, I think you're right. That makes a lot of sense. To change gears a little bit, I, I did want to ask yeah. you, in terms of our reason for doing this, what was the moment if you have one or what were the chain of events that led you to understand both the importance of the built environment around you and yeah. the huge problems and complex difficulties that we face in handling it sure i guess um three things number one was actually where we met when we were studying and living abroad in paris mm -hmm. you know first time ever living abroad I and mean, we lived there for uh, for a year yeah and then i returned a couple years later and lived there again and you know you know everyone has that crazy <laughs> studying abroad story like oh my god it changed my life of course but i think really having lived there not just abroad but living in a place that was so dense mm. and i think the density really changed the way that i viewed how humans could live yeah both the good and the bad you know there was the the walking around uh, the getting around was a lot easier the, yeah the architecture and sort of the beauty of it as well as just the daily interactions on the street and the fact that you know there were like three bakeries within two blocks from my home as well as two grocery stores and i didn't need to go grocery shopping once a week i could go just after coming just home from school or coming home from yeah. work yeah exactly yeah, crowded exactly. bakeries go. and butcher shops on every corner it was remarkable yeah yeah, it, it is remarkable in that it changed the way that I lived. It changed the way that I eat. It changed the way that I socialized. It um, it was just a totally different um, world. It changed uh, my my health. Yeah, you know? um, me too. The first the first thing my family said when I came back was, "Wow, you lost a lot of weight." I lost like, thirty pounds in the first four weeks. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Okay. It was. That is unreal. It was really I, fast. <laughs> I don't think I ever weighed myself while I was there, but I guess I lost weight. Are you? And obviously, like none of none of my pants fit at all. Very quickly, it was. <laughs> yeah, I had to buy new belts. It was a whole thing. That's un. It's unreal. So yeah, well, so because guess, for guess, me, and that's why Paris was for me the same thing. It yeah. was this mind-altering experience because I went from living in Long Beach, so right near Los Angeles. And I drove everywhere. I drove to the coffee shop. I drove to yeah, yeah. restaurants. I drove to school. I drove to everything. 
And suddenly I was in a place where not only did I not have a car, but even if I had had the opportunity to have a car, I probably wouldn't have wanted a car. Mm -hmm. And I did not previously understand that people could live that way. Or I I guess I understood that people could live that way. I knew New York was a thing. I had been to New York. I had been to Paris before I had been to London. Mm -hmm. But I didn't understand Mm -hmm. the impact that that has on your life when you Mm -hmm. live very differently. And Mm -hmm. since then, I've made good friends who live out on farms who live very differently, obviously, from me. I've Mm -hmm. gotten to know people that live in small towns. I've lived in a number of different cities. I've lived in Beijing. I lived in Korea. And seeing those different experiences, like Paris was the flame that started it because it opened me up to this concept that there could be different things. Yeah. But it's continued to burn and grow in me, this interest in these cities and how that shapes the people that are in them. Um, And I think that people that have never been anywhere else, or even if they've traveled, have never lived anywhere other than where they live, that limits your ability to think about these things. And so I think it's valuable for people like us who have had these experiences living in these places to discuss it and to think about it in all of its complexities, because these are choices that we're making as a society everywhere. And that's not to say that Paris was the end all and be all and the best in the world. I've gone to a lot of different cities. There are a lot of different good things and bad things in a lot of different places, (laughs) but yeah, they have some strengths that are very different from the strengths where I come from in Los Angeles. Like there's a lot more privacy. If you live in a house in Los Angeles, you've got a fence, you've got quietness on your street. You can have dogs without a problem. In Paris, if you can look across the street and see your neighbors changing after they take a shower, like that's a different experience, obviously. But there are a lot of positives to think about on either side of that. And examining that I think is really useful. You, you said you had two more things though that were a part of your... Right. I mean, I guess it was, yeah, it, it actually works out well, um, what you were talking about. I guess the, the second biggest thing was that I too am also from California and... The wrong side of the state. As any, <laughs> all right, uh, as any uh, California will tell you, and really anyone in any urban area around the, around the U.S. and kind of around the world, is that we have massive problems with our urban areas. And mm. I see it every day. And I live it every day and the housing crisis is crazy. And, uh, you know, both my parents left the state kind of because of the fact that they couldn't retire in California based on, you know, a retirement income uh, and still, yeah. you know, be able to see us, be able to it, see uh, my family. It and seems and, like and everyone in California has a family member who's moved to Colorado in the last 10 years. That <laughs> seems sure. almost exactly. universal. Yeah. Right, right. And so seeing it every day, talking about it every day, I wanted to understand it more and understand you know what i could do more especially because cities to me they seem interdisciplinary and i don't know if that's Mm. necessarily the best word to use for it but you know you affect any part of a city and you affect people's um, ability to get to work so the economy and by affecting their ability to get to work you affect the quality of of a city the equity of a city sure um and you deal with you know institutionalized racism within cities by changing other parts of cities you you can make the environment better or worse Mm. and you know you deal with social interactions you deal with with everything and and that all and that all happens sort of at a micro scale and by micro i mean individual no no like each city is sort of a a micro scale of a larger country okay which is why to go back to your earlier point you know having one giant city for your country can really affect the 
future and culture of your country because sort of every city in that country looks up to that bigger city, even if they yeah. don't want to admit it. Well, and that city can dictate to the rest of the country. Exactly, exactly, yeah. which is why it's so important to like get these cities right, which goes back to my point about living in California and coming from California you know, as the largest state in the union mm. and living in a major city inside the largest state in the union, it really makes a difference for what we do. Yeah. I'm not trying to be like, I know that there's that, there's that, you know, Californians can come off as pompous and well, especially kind of assholes. Bay Area Californians. Um, let's be, let's be real <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, let's be real. Exactly. Exactly. We have our, our share of complete jerks <laughs> and, you know, and we can be proud of the state, but there can be a lot of people that are just way too proud for me in California and I don't want to come off as that as like hey you know we set the tone for the rest of the country because look how cool we are but I do think that you know this state has a huge role to play and how and what it gets right and what it gets wrong can affect the country for better or worse a lot more than other smaller states yeah I think also California tends to be on the front end of changing things like they have more people coming in than the rest of the country does generally. They have the most advanced technology companies. So they're dealing with a lot of change on a consistent basis that not every state is dealing with. Um, but I think that what you're talking about in terms of like us having some crap people, like I think that's a symptom of any kind of good place. There are always going to be people that are too proud. Like that applies to the United States broadly. There are some people who are a little too proud of the United States and think that everything else is terrible because it's not the United States. That is a thing that exists. I think that exists in any good group, any good country. You have people that think that because they're good in some way, everything else is terrible. And that's just something that exists in the world. Like it's it's unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to get at through all of this and something sort of a disclaimer for the entire podcast is like, although we both come from California and we both come from big cities in California, I want to always try to contextualize where I come from. And I think, you know, we should both strive to do this so that we're not okay. viewing all of our conclusions through that framework and then coming to the wrong conclusion. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that we don't know. Yeah. For example, both of our sort of impetus to like understanding how cities can be different than what we're used to was Paris. Whereas sure. if you had grown up in New York, actually in the city proper, you would have a totally different impetus because New York is very similar to Paris in a lot of ways in its walkability and in the scale of it and um, the density of it. Yeah, absolutely. Both San Francisco and Los Angeles just don't have that. And so I guess I just want to be very conscious of where we come from in order to view any conclusions that we come to through that framework. So we try not to make mistakes about our conclusions and what we talk about and how we talk about cities because they're so big and they mean so many different things to so many different people and we have a very small idea of what a city can and cannot be and I, you know i just want to make sure that we continue to do our best to interpret the data and interpret the conclusions so that they apply to everyone not just us yes i think your point is well taken and well made <laughs> i i think that we need to be clear about who we are what we are where we come from but that being said People listening to other people need to understand that those people have certain experiences and backgrounds and yeah. that they are going to view the world through those experiences. You cannot expect someone to view the world through experiences that they have not had. That is clearly unreasonable. <laughs> uh, and and yeah. so I, I think that you're right. We have both sought to broaden our experience beyond just where we're from. And you're right. We both saw it initially through Paris, but then 
continued on to go to other places. Mm -hmm. I went and lived in Asia for several years. Like, our, I think our experiences are continuing to evolve. And I hope that because of our divided experience, while we're both from California, we're not from the same place and have, I think, rather different views on some things mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. this. And I think just the fact that we disagree, we will check each other a lot, which will be hopefully valuable. Yeah, for sure. Another reason why I really wanted to talk about cities and something that we should definitely investigate in this podcast mm. is how people can organize locally to advocate to be a better city sure, for their city to be better. Um, and I think that, you know, this is definitely going to come. Uh, we're doing this podcast in English and we're both from the United States. So I think it most likely will center around organizing, you know, within the U.S. But probably I think that, you know, understanding the issues behind or the problems with cities then leads to the question of, OK, well, what do I do? Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe we could do a podcast on what's the best way for you to be effective mm. in organizing politically and you know how do you actually do that how do you petition your mayor how do you petition your your city council um what does it mean to show up to a city council meeting um what are the rules what are the regulations like that might be kind of wonky at times but i think that that's super important because these are these are problems but are ultimately going to be solved by the people who live there or they're not yeah they are very tangible and personal to your life and if you don't do something it's probably not going to change. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And it's the flip side of what we were saying earlier, which is just that the reason why talking about cities is so important is because the changes in a city, even the small ones, like do we put a stop sign at that corner, mm. will affect you quicker and more often than like a healthcare debate or a you know, debate about the military or about war or whatever. It's not that those things aren't important because they They're clearly important. are. Clearly important, yeah. Yeah, right? Clearly. It's kind of your health. But uh, <laughs> it, it just... They're not as immediate. I guess, yeah, yeah. It, and because they affect everyone, there are probably other people that are going to be active in trying to deal with those things and solve those problems. Like where I live, I live in Ireland, there's an alley that leads up to where we park in my apartment, and there are more potholes than I could possibly describe. It's like driving through little miniature canyons. And you know what? No <laughs> one is going to solve that unless the people that live along that alley petition people who deal with this. Our city council petitioned the people who manage the roads here. That's not the sort of thing that people on the other side of the country are going to be petitioning the government to fix. And so sure. these local sure. things, not only can you impact them, but they will only be impacted by you and your community. Because For nobody sure. in another state or another country or another even part of your state is going to yeah. care at all about the things going on yeah. in your city. Yeah, yeah. And it actually makes it better for you to be involved locally. <laughs> yes. You know, for example, I've worked on a number of political campaigns. And when I would canvas, you know, walk door to door and knock on people's doors and talk to them, yeah. I've canvassed in cities that are not mine. And it has been a little not awkward to talk to them about solving a problem that's going on in their community mm -hmm. when it's not mine. But I have also canvassed in my community and it has been much easier because I can I can knock on the door and be like, hey, as your neighbor, hey, as the person who understands yeah. what's going on in this community because I live it every day, we should do this. There's a different resonance. There's a different ownership. It Exactly. It brings weight to your ability to enact change. It's not saying that you can't go to another community and try to change things. In fact, right, like your community doesn't exist in a vacuum. Of course wanting to, I don't know, put in like a subway stop in your community will also have ripple effects in the communities neighboring yours. So that's something to take into account. But it definitely makes your argument stronger 
when you try to interact with other people in your community. So yeah. So I guess I guess what we're trying to say is that understanding the history behind cities, the problems of cities, and then what we can do about cities is really kind of you know my overarching goal for this podcast and what we want to do with it. And I think that we want to work those three sort of frameworks into every, every issue, every podcast. And for me, like I, so like I said, just a minute ago, I live in Ireland. I've lived in Korea, China, France, obviously the US. Yeah. And another thing that is important to me is the fact that as much as you can impact your community and your city, you cannot radically change it on your own immediately. And the opportunities that we have to choose where we live are sometimes easier and solve a problem better than just trying to solve it where you live. And I know you might be a little bit more reticent to that kind of concept because I know you've gone back to your home city, your home metropolitan area, and are trying Mm -hmm. to solve problems there, whereas I just abandoned mine. So we, we have different strategies to this, but I think it's useful to think about these things also because you can look at where you live and say, the choices that my community is making are not things that I am on board with. And sometimes it's not useful to try to fight them tooth and nail to change their minds and make everyone live in a place that you want to live in. Sometimes it's easier just to move to a place where other people are trying to make a community that you would want to live in. And so if you want to live in a place that's walkable, you probably don't want to live in a place that's been built as a suburb. Like if people really value their privacy, they really value their private space, they love their cars, they love, you know, having their personal driveway, you're not going to be able to convince all of them, oh, no, we should build high rises and tear down all of these single family homes. That's not the sort of thing that you're going to be able to do necessarily. You're right, except that I think that's definitely a topic we should talk about is how to talk to people about changing their community. When it because there are certain aspects of communities that people are going to want to keep the same and certain aspects that they shouldn't, and I think that we should talk about what we should and shouldn't, of course, should and should not change. But and I think this is the point where we differ. But I do think that even with that, it's useful to think about if you don't want to live in your community, if you don't want to live in your city, and you decided that. Like I never, I wanted to leave LA. Ever since I stepped foot in Paris, I was like, oh, I don't want to live in Los Angeles anymore, and. A large part of that is the weather. I don't like hot, dry weather. I, that's not a thing that I love. I don't like the climate in that area. So there are a lot of yeah. reasons that I didn't want to live there. But once I knew that, then I had to figure out, well, where do I go to live? <sighs> and thinking about what you like in a city, what you want in a place to live, will help you to shape your choices about where right. you go. And I think that that is an additional valuable thing in thinking about these sorts of things because you can, as you're looking at other places and evaluating them, you can say, well, these sorts of things will affect my experience there in this way. Because when you're moving to a new place, as much as you might want to change your community, you should move to a place that fits you best as opposed to moving to a place that doesn't fit you and then trying to change it to fit you. Like that's just a silly thing to do. That's like meeting a girlfriend and saying, I'm going to change this girlfriend to be my perfect girlfriend. Right now, I hate her, but I'm going to make her into a great girlfriend. Better to just choose one who already is what you are looking for in a girlfriend. Anyway. So you agree with the uh, analogy, but you don't agree with the initial point. Uh, well, well, I mean... I don't know. I think to me, it goes back to my question from earlier, which is, what is an ideal city? How do we evaluate a city and its success and its quote unquote goodness? Mm. You know, because until we have the answer to those questions, if there is an answer, then we can start making judgment calls about what a city should and shouldn't be. 
And then moving to a city that you... Like, I guess there's a difference between wanting to change a city and wanting to move to a place because you don't like where you are and wanting to move to a place that is better for what you want. You can't really change the climate of a place. True. So that makes sense in terms of your move. But I think what I'm getting at is that if there are these ideal building blocks for cities and we can establish that and we can talk about that, then we should always try to strive for those essential building blocks to be included in every city around the world. Now, I think those building blocks can change depending on the size and population of the city. Sure. However, I don't know, like good transportation is probably something that every city around the world, regardless of the size, will want to have. Absolutely. But I think that even if you try to establish universal building blocks to make a good city, if you, even yeah. if you try to establish things that everyone would want to have in a city, like indoor plumbing, a sewer system, right? <laughs> like that's something that most people are down with. That's that's probably something that will be there regardless. Yeah. Right. But, but my point is, even if you can establish things that are universally regarded as necessary, you're still going uh -huh. to have differences of opinion that are going to range pretty widely in terms of the kind of city that somebody wants to live in. And like I know we'll get into this much more at length in future episodes, but trying to focus all of your energies on shifting that is sometimes going to be a fruitless effort because people just want different things. If people want different things it's sometimes useful to go where people want the same things as you than going where people want different things from you. And it's funny because I completely disagree with this from a political standpoint. I don't think you should try to segregate yourself to be around people who are politically the same as you. But I uh -huh. think that in terms of the city, like in terms of not ideological like things... Well, it's just, it's just, I mean, it's just your personal preference. Ultimately, it's like, what, what, you know, do you want to live in a smaller city? Or do you want to live in a bigger city? Well, no, but like, what, I, what I'm trying really to matter. say is I think there is value to being around people who are different from you. There is value to being around people who think differently from you. I am yeah. good friends with you and talk to you because you think very differently from me and have wildly different beliefs than I do. I think. Okay. That's yeah. one of the big reasons that I want to be yeah, friends yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, That's yeah. one of the things that I find <laughs> valuable. But I don't think that trying to live around people who want different things from their houses is necessarily valuable in any way. So mm -hmm. me having an argument with somebody who thinks differently from me or has different political mm -hmm. beliefs or different beliefs about society is somewhat valuable to me. It is not valuable for me who wants to have an apartment building to live next to somebody who doesn't want to have an apartment building just because they don't want to have an apartment building. So living around people who disagree with the way a city should be structured, that is not necessarily going to be innately valuable. Sometimes it sure. is useful to locate around people who want to do the same things so that you can build toward the same things. Sure. Although I think that most people are going to self-segregate based on their preferences of where they want to live unless they're constrained economically or their job is close by or whatever. And they are only going to try to change their built environment if they are unhappy with it and they feel like it should change. Most people who don't want to live in the suburbs aren't going to go live in the suburbs and vice versa with a city, like a really dense urban area, um, unless they can or can't, you know, right? Just based on their right. personal um, abilities option. and capabilities. Right, exactly. Like yeah. They're forced into it. But I don't know. I, I just... But I think most people operate in inertia, right? Like this is, this is, I mean, yeah, this sort of like debate is more along the lines of you know, what do you want out of where you live mm. and what can you do to change where you are in order to get to what you want? But I think all of that has to be framed in what a city should and should not be based on so many different factors, you know, climate, city size, 
actually kind of just really just that like where where the cities are and and how big they are and 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 also their relation into other to other cities and other towns and villages around wherever they are because they have such a strong gravitational pull within the economy within society and all that yeah for where they are so i don't know i think that if ultimately because cities are constantly changing and they will continue to change as more and more people move to them understanding when your city should change and adopt something like not every city needs light rail or uh, bus rapid transit right yeah but at some point as you project farther and farther out you need to be like yeah these are things that we should probably start adopting mm. and then figure out when is that tipping point when should we change that yeah and like ultimately i guess you you know you could move away if you right. really don't want to live in a place with brt or whatever totally move away if that's if that's your your deal but well and i, I think i think I, just, I think regardless of what you do you either need to have thought about it enough to decide these are things I don't want and so I'm going to move if they happen or these are things that I do want and I'm going to move if they don't happen or you need to know enough to say these are the kinds of things that I want to change in my city. Either way, you need to have enough knowledge and enough know-how and yeah. have thought about these things enough to either change them or get yourself out yeah, of that situation. For sure, which what this podcast is about. Exactly. is like, what is a city and what is good and what is bad and what can we do to change it yes yeah awesome okay okay so just one more thing before we wrap up today i've been thinking about it a lot because it's something that i always kind of think about and actually i get made fun of a lot here because i have this weird thing about benches but I tend to walk around cities a lot. When I travel, I walk a huge amount. That's just kind of what I do yeah. to, to get a handle yeah, yeah. on a place. After we lived in Paris, I went for six weeks and traveled around Europe and spent three or four days in each city to try to get a feel for if I could live in that city. And the way I did that was the first day I would just wander around the city. For sure. And some things that I've noticed over the years, going to many, many different places, is that some cities do benches really well and some cities <laughs> do not do benches well. Okay. Yeah. Germany and Austria are the best for benches. They have benches everywhere. I remember one time I was going from Rome to Innsbruck and I got off the train in Innsbruck. I walked to the closest park and there were just a hundred benches in the park. And in Rome, when you're walking around, there are no benches anywhere and it's really hot and there are no <laughs> benches. Another example of this sort of thing that I think is interesting and not often thought about is tree coverage and foliage. So yes. I was traveling in 2015 and I was in France and there was this incredible heat wave in Europe. I went out to Strasbourg, which is in the east of France. It's kind of a medium-sized city. And right. I don't think that that city often gets really hot weather. It's a rather temperate city. It gets pretty cold in the winter. And they have what seems like no trees. So I was walking around the city in 100-degree weather and just melting, feeling like I was going to die. And it's a very nice city, but it was hard to appreciate in that sort of weather with no tree coverage. I went from there right to Rome, and they have the greatest tree coverage. And you can walk, and even though it's incredibly hot, you're in the shade all the time because there's trees everywhere, and suddenly it's bearable. And obviously, they're adapted because it's hot there all the time, or at least throughout the summer. They're adapted in terms of the way they've set up their city to shade a lot of areas so that people can bearably get around. If you're in mm -hmm. a place that doesn't deal with that, you don't often deal with that. And I, these are the sorts of things that I think people don't think about necessarily, but can really change your experience in a place. I've actually, since this point, stumbled upon a whole bunch of things about how certain cities 
do certain things to their benches to make them either less comfortable or to make sure people don't sleep on them or to make yeah. people move along. Like, and those it's, sorts of things, like you don't expect that. Like you think about, oh, a bench is there for to help you rest, to help you be comfortable. Like that's its fundamental purpose, but that's not really the purpose all of the time everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're getting at is that benches because they exist in public space the people who design them and the people who say how they should be designed feel like they have to serve multiple purposes yes what you're getting at is is a concept called hostile architecture which is architecture meaning not necessarily buildings but like benches like you know raised raised walls built things where it's meant to keep people uncomfortable enough that they don't spend the night i mean basically hostile architecture means places to deter homeless people from sleeping yeah. every night or from staying long periods of time. And there's lots of debates going on right now about, should we do that? Is that something that we should adopt in our cities? Because inherently it's pretty mean yes. to just not allow people who don't have anything, fewer places to actually live. And what's more, it's counterproductive to the actual purpose of whatever you're building. Like you're making whatever you built less functional in order to deter people sure. from using it. Sure, sure. I mean... Essentially, yeah. I mean, we've all kind of sat on benches where there's like that weird thing in the middle of it Mm. and it doesn't make it as comfortable, I guess. Uh, It's still comfortable enough for, you know, for your purpose of like, I don't know, sitting there in a park and enjoying it, but you're not going to want to like lie out on it. And that's the point. But you're right. You know, the way that cities do benches and the way that countries and, and cities and municipalities put funding towards benches and put funding towards the built environment and how people can enjoy that built environment and like move through it really makes a difference in in everything yeah because in a place without benches you're not going to spend a lot of time there you might walk through it but you probably aren't going to just like sit down unless you're down to sit on the grass or whatever sure if there is grass which if, if there is grass exactly but you know putting in a bench especially one without hostile architecture built into it makes a big difference in how let's say a park is visited and traveled and used yeah and in turn changes the function of the park and the safety of the park and the sociability of the park. And that all comes from adding like three or four benches or whatever, right? Uh, It's just not something that we would necessarily consider, but it's something that's super important for the health of a city and also for people that are visiting the city, sort of the perception of how nice the city is, right? Right. If you have a park that's just full of people who are like doing drugs or just um, hanging around and and it it just doesn't feel right, let's just go with that or it's not really widely used and it's dark at night or whatever, Yeah. then you're not going to want to walk through it. And by not walking through it, it can lead to further deterioration. It's basically just a big sort of snowball effect. And yeah. that all comes from simple little fixes like benches, like lights, well, but, you know, fences, anything. But it's interesting because what you're talking about is there are large-scale ramifications for these small changes. And right. a few years ago, I would not have even thought about the fact that these were intentional choices like as a child or as a teenager (laughs) going to a park i would have just been like well this is a terrible park why are there no benches here whereas once i learned about that concept that you just spoke of the fact that these are choices that are made you start to understand that these are things that we are choosing as a community the people who are leading your community are making these choices Uh and Suddenly, it becomes very relevant to your life because if you want to go sit in the park on the weekend and read for two hours and all of the benches are made so that you slide off of them because they don't want people to sit on them, well, that defeats your purpose. And so you should be active in paying attention to how these things affect your life and 
how you can affect them back and totally make things better for yourself and for other people. Because also, as much as I just said, these are all decisions that people have made. There are plenty of cities and situations out there where people just haven't really thought about it in a rigorous way in a very long time. And so there are bad things that exist or ineffective things that exist in all sorts of places that just haven't been thought through. And it's just, this is how it gradually became over the course of 30 years because no one uh-huh. really dealt with solving these problems. And uh-huh. so having a little more attention, paying a little more attention, focusing on these things and thinking about them can be valuable for all of us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And how cities and how cities function. It's, it's the kind of thing that I never would have paid attention to. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it's like yeah, exactly, exactly. It's uh, it's what's fascinating about cities. Okay, oh. you want to wrap this one up? Yeah. Um, well, you know, thanks so much for uh, tuning in to the first episode of Polis. We're excited to bring the podcast to you guys, and uh, yes, excited to do more episodes. Yeah, please feel free to share this with anybody that you think might be interested, and you can find our show notes and anything that we talked about today at subjectradio.com slash polis slash zero zero one. And so that's subjectradio.com slash P-O-L-I-S slash 001. So hope you guys all have a good week and I'll talk to you in two weeks. Yeah, Ben? Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Okay. All right. I'll see you later. Awesome. So you want to start us off? Or? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Just because you did it last time. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I'll, I'll do it again. Um, well, how did I start it? How did I start it last time? No, I, I'm trying to think because I liked it last time. Yeah, me too. But I can't remember. Did I just say I'm John? I, no, I think you're like, welcome to episode one of the Polis podcast. I'm John. And, and, then, and then I was then like, you, and I'm Ben. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs>